Welcome to X-Rated Movie. This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date and now they don't. My name is Ryan Whedon. My name is Matt Fisher. And we are your hosts on this journey through time, 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 time and sound time, and space. And but never all at the same time. Mm-hmm. We, we're one-dimensional travelers. One-dimensional beings. <laughs> We're not even a line. We're we're a dot. We have no depth. No depth. No height. <laughs> None of that. Nothing on the z-axis for for certain. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Until you start getting into our quantum realm, and then woo, woo, it's out the window. Everything. Was it you that was trying to explain like quantum to me? Like. <laughs> possible it's possible i did it on last week's episode and i don't remember it so. oh yeah that's right do we do we want to <laughs> let's apologize? just address that real fast so sometimes our recording schedule gets piled up and as some of our listeners may or may not know ryan and i imbibe a little while recording and usually it's fine like one episode it doesn't come out too much but we After did three. We did three years. episodes in a row, and by that third episode, well, you you can hear the results. <laughs> you know, it's like Hunter Thompson said: when you're in the grips of a bender, the tendency is just to push it as far as it can go. Mm-hmm. And we were definitely in its grips. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, apologies for anyone who sat through the whole thing. Uh, and kudos to you. Yeah. Well, look, write to us, and we'll send you something nice. <laughs> Yeah, because that is a a stain on our otherwise good name. We'll send you a roll of tape. How about that? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Gaffer's tape. Just the way you like it. That expensive, expensive tape. So, Matt. Ryan. I had a topic for us to talk about in this uh, We Are Friends portion of the podcast. We Are Friends. (laughs) Indeed. So, as uh, you know, we're going through a bunch of bad gay movies this season. Mm -hmm. um, Mining that that mountain Mm -hmm. uh, for nuggets of joy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and a lot of misses, but uh, I, I just wanted to toss this question over to you. Let's say uh, you, you've got um, disposable income of any kind, mm-hmm. and uh, it's in the, I don't know, 10,000, 100,000 something range, and uh, you realize you get a wild hair and you want to make a gay movie. You're going to produce a gay movie. What kind of gay movie would you want to produce? Like wh- which type of genre or yeah what would be the what would what would be the idea of it like who what would you want to see on screen with your name attached to it (laughs) um i mean definitely it would have to be in the horror thriller category because i mean that is as we have discovered doing this we're always going through gay horror thrillers hoping that they're worth watching yeah and so far, like one out of a hundred are, you know, that seems about gi- the average. give or take. So it would definitely have to be like that. I don't know if I'd go full arty the way pornography a thriller is, or if I'd just keep it uh, uh, just a, a schlock fest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, I know you started a script for uh, one with Amazon Go lockers. Yes, that, that that would be a good one. So yeah, I think I'd do it like maybe like a, a early Brian De Palma, like Sisters or something, or mm. maybe like polanski's repulsion oh yeah uh, something like that but with gay guys cool i mean i'm a big fan of like trashy 90s thrillers of course so it, it could have a, a a whiff of that in there i'd like to make it a little bit more edgy than your average 90s thriller something something heavier on the trashy side okay than some of those like Otherwise, safe outings. Mm-hmm. Any stars you might want to see in this? So in this budget, is that including cast and crew, or is everyone working voluntarily? I mean, what, what, what's a good number? Let's say like 500000 for a movie. Okay. That's more than a pornography, a thriller, less than... Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can play with salaries. We'll say that some of these people are your friends or something. I would like to populate it with actual gay actors though oh okay just because i don't know i feel like there's enough gay actors out there and give them a little avenue to let their hair down yeah maybe yeah, yeah. uh i'm sure zachary quinto would love to do something a little bit more on the avant-garde or edgy side especially yeah. like sexual edge mm. um neil patrick harris probably wants to get in there if, if like gone girl were a uh 
gay if it was gone gay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Ezra Miller could be in there. Ezra Miller, yeah, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, get Ian McKellen in there. As, Why not? <laughs> you know, the uh, curmudgeonly yet benign uh, older gay. I want him to have like three lines and have him just come in and just, you know, like almost David Lynch style and like just offer a warning and then vaporize. <laughs> he comes into the bathhouse <laughs> and like hits his staff down and like something opens. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. What about you? Bad uh, 80s musical? <laughs> All male redux of Xanadu? Xanadu. No. Uh, I want to do a gay heist movie. Mm. Because I think you could really play with stereotypes in the way that Three Day Weekend wanted to. <laughs> but okay. um, you can have sort of two-dimensional characters in a heist film. You just need someone like characters really quick, easy to find. Uh, broad strokes. They just need to like be sort of tropey characters. Yeah. Like, this one can pick a lock and yeah. like this one can like keep the concierge at this hotel busy or something. Mm-hmm. And you can have one who's like the slutty one. You can have one who's <laughs> like all of the them. daddy. <laughs> or, or like just take the whole uh, tropes from uh, Queer's Folk and uh, uh, just throw them into some kind of a uh, heist plot. And uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. You could have a romance if you want. You don't have to have a romance. Um I think it'd be fun if you had like the really queeny one have to play straight for a moment or something like that, butch it up, <laughs> something like that'd be funny. Like when Nathan Lane has to play straight in the birdcage. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think an Ocean's Eleven style thing, but just with gays, and it doesn't have to be high stakes heist. Like I think that they could maybe be robbing a, um, I don't know, like a really a liquor store. <laughs> well, I was gonna say like a nightclub or a... they're they're just stealing a bunch of e. Yeah. <laughs> Or department store. I don't know. Like it can be, it can be low stakes, but uh. <laughs> department store. They're at Ross for last, trying to <laughs> steal some like drag outfits. Yeah, <laughs> and they have a big Ocean's Eleven type <laughs> scheme. So uh, earlier when we were talking about your movie, you said you want to give uh, some gay actors a little extra push. Uh-huh. That kind of leads into today's movie. Does it? Yeah. Our our leads are gay. <laughs> In real life? I-R-L. Okay. I looked it up. Uh, today's movie is 2002's The Trip. Or as I like to call it, What's That on Your Head? A week! <laughs> <laughs> so... This, but all right, I can't. I can't believe I'm saying this or using this phrase. But since starting this season, the Overton window on like what a bad movie is has definitely shifted. Because when I initially watched this, I was like, "Oh my god, this is so bad!" And now when I watched it last night, I was like, "Oh, this is fine." Yeah. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't see what my problem was with this movie. It's kind of decent. Yeah, I was like, this is fun, and like things are where they should be in the movie, and people are acting, and yeah, I, I don't know what my problem was with uh, it. I mean, my biggest problem was hair. Like the hair. Oh my god! I could for, not for, with, with a movie hair. with such expensive music cues i know you think they could have like afforded a decent wig supervisor <laughs> like there's like bruce springsteen in this t-rex yeah like big names three dog night i think was on there too the, yeah like, there's three dog night uh missing persons america i mean it's crazy yeah bruce springsteen i was just like oh. <laughs> Those aren't cheap. Bruce no. Springsteen can't be cheap, but God, the worst wigs. <laughs> like, I can't, I really can't emphasize enough how bad these were. Like, it was distracting. They were hair helmets. <laughs> like, they it really looked like they could have like gone out and played football in these wigs. <laughs> it, it also has that like awkward thing where it's like. They're probably actually like early 30s in real life, uh-huh. like while this is filming. But because they have to play both like early 20s and like late 30s, 
they have this awkwardness where they never look the right age. Yeah. I feel like the wigs <laughs> aged them. I thought they got younger as the they took the wigs off. It's like <laughs> it's like whenever you watch like, you know, 30 Rock or Parks and Rec and it'll like do like a flashback to like when one of the characters was like a teenager right. and it's just them in teenage clothes. <laughs> That's what this looked like. And that just like yeah, it makes them look older. And uh it's like and they're bleach blonde and it I don't know. I feel like they should have cast them young like to fit into the 70s version and then kind of aged them up or just left their hair as is and kind of like given it a little 70s zhuzh or something yeah because the amount of hair on these wigs (laughs) i felt was unnecessary yeah the thing is like the movie references hair several times do you do hair well uh, not so much other people's i mean i I do mine i love it don't bring attention to this (laughs) Yeah. The wigs, though, they're... It's because other parts of the costume design or, the like, the set design aren't this egregious. Yeah. Like, the clothes sort of make sense for the most part. Or, the, you know, the set decoration yeah. looks all right for the most part. But then they just have these atrocious... Collectively, <laughs> atrocious wigs. I mean, our two main characters are, are in terrible wigs. And then uh, you have Alexis Arquette in there, too, with another terrible wig. Yeah, just, they're trying to give her, like, a, a Beatles sort of mop-toppy thing. I don't but know. It was just bad all through the ages. It, <laughs> it looks like they grew out their hair for the part. And then the director was like, no, that hair's not right. So they had to, like put on bald caps on top of like these dreadlocks (laughs) and then they put wigs on top of the bald cap on top of this real hair and you can tell that the actors aren't comfortable with it too like the first uh i I don't remember the characters names but the blonde one in the first section of the movie tommy i think it's tommy yeah. yeah his his wig was like long and looked like curtains over his face but like he couldn't, you could tell like he wasn't able to pull it back behind his ear like a person would, like a real person would. So right, it because it- <laughs> Kind of always kind of flapping it back, like Cher style. So it's not just the, the size of the wigs, but it's also like the texture. Like that obviously was not real hair. Yeah. <laughs> like you obviously just like sewed some socks together. <laughs> wigs were bad. Wigs were bad. <laughs> I don't know. Otherwise, I didn't really, like, hate this movie. No. I, but once again, like, Overton window has shifted. Because <laughs> when I watched this, like, way, way in the long, long ago, I was like, oh, this is so bad. This is comically bad. But we've watched so many worse things yeah. since that I'm just like, oh, this is fine. This movie isn't without its problems, though, I, I'm going to say. There are a couple things that kind of bugged me. So, well, one, this movie's called The Trip, but I don't think they actually go on the trip till an hour seven. Yeah. Like, there's, like, 20, 25 minutes left in the movie before, like, the trip begins. Yeah, and they only talk about the trip one time before that. So it's not like they're constantly being like, oh, we should take that trip. We should take that trip. It's, it happens one time, and then uh, they actually have it not for, like, the last 15 minutes of the movie. And it also doesn't even seem like it's that revelatory of a trip. Yeah. You know, like a road movie, it's supposed to, you know, be some sort of metaphor for, like, you know transitional points in your life like you start as one person at the beginning of your trip and at the end of your trip you're another and like yeah you i mean that is true in this but it it doesn't have that like weightiness that you think a a road movie will have yeah there's not enough time for it because people are dying (laughs) (laughs) so i will like to would like to mention that this does have a pretty strong roster of b-list celebrities making up bit roles yeah, uh, we have Alexis Arquette as uh, Michael, like the friend who's just kind of around. I just, I just want to say real fast: whenever Alexis Arquette is in the movie, the movie comes alive. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like, Alexis Arquette has screen presence. It's kind of dull, except for when Alexis Arquette is on screen. You're like, oh, here's somebody having fun. <laughs> so there's the pool scene where I don't know if she's playing with a dildo. Or if it's just some sort of phallic-shaped pool toy. I thought it was a straw, like one of those penis straws. Oh, but it looked so big, unless like you want to kind of choke on it a okay. little bit. <laughs> but I mean, it looked, you know, life-size. Yeah. There was that little girl that they used the punch-up for off-screen who says... Why is that man really so much bigger than that? <laughs> uh, and then when 
uh, the the uh, the book is published and the author is revealed and they're kind of doing like the handheld like via the like the news cam uh-huh. and uh, Michael's like, listen, you Farrah Fawcett major asshole! If you don't haul your twat out of here, I swear to God, I'm shoving that microphone so far up it that. And then like notices that like the camera's on him, oh, oh. and just like the way he like cocks his, or she cocks her head back and uh-huh. like looks at the camera. I was like, oh, yeah. This is That's good when stuff. there's a, a hair reference when he says, "Ooh, that hair is all wrong." I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah, "Why haven't you told anyone else this?" <laughs> Don't bring attention to the hair. <laughs> I also liked uh, uh, when she goes running after. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> five five five. That's not a prefix. Son of a bitch. Mm. <laughs> runs like arms in the air yeah. like a muppet would run after someone and you can just see her she just like keeps running for a long <laughs> yeah. time into the way background it's pretty fun <laughs> yeah no i liked her she was she was a lot of fun yeah julie brown uh, bettina mccalvey wannabe julie brown <laughs> your outfit is dazzling oh this my office slut look that was a fun reveal when she shows up playing a secretary just in like a scene yeah Wait, wait, don't tell me fans may or may not recognize Faith Saley, who plays Ignored Woman. <laughs> Peter, finally I get through to you. Congratulations on Thanks. becoming a partner. Excuse me. That was Faith Saley. Wow, look yeah. at that. So That's fun. Uh, Jill St. John as uh, Alan's mother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing, uh, uh, she's most famous for playing Tiffany Case in the James Bond movie, Diamonds Are Forever. She's actually kind of fun, too. She, yeah, she kind of, like... She has, like, two scenes, but she's pretty good in it. Yeah, I, I liked I liked both of her, her spots in it. Mm-hmm. Hey, son, I'm supposed to talk some sense into you. And I kind of liked, uh... The girlfriend, the uh, the blonde. She the has, one that looked like Suzanne Somers. Yeah, she kind of had a good arc, and she's not a bad actress. She became a Scientologist. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. My main beef, maybe, with this movie is that there's no chemistry between our main characters. Like, I did not buy their romance one bit. No, and there's, like, the first dinner scene that they have, mm-hmm. and they're stoned. Yeah. I'm like... Have they ever been stoned before? This is the worst stoned acting I've ever seen. Yeah. I'd like that scene when they when they finally kiss, it feels so forced and fake. And I'm like, these are two gay men. Mm-hmm. Like, can't Lay muster a little yeah. more there? Uh, I don't know. They just both are playing it so cool that I just don't feel that fiery hot passion that we should maybe be feeling. So that the dinner scene, maybe I'm old fashioned. Maybe that I just live in a time in a place where, like, we don't have, like, dinner parties necessarily in, like, a classic sense. Like, I don't even have a dining room table in my apartment. But... I just looked around. Like, I haven't <laughs> been here a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, you don't, actually. Now that you mention it. Isn't it a little uncouth to just spark that spliff at the dinner table? Yeah. Like, he just pulls it out and starts smoking. He doesn't I'll... ask to do it either. Yeah, that's what I mean, like... A, I don't know anybody who lets you smoke in their apartment anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is supposed to be like 1973 or something. Like, maybe I'm just very conservative. But I was like, he just like lit up that joint like at the dinner table. Yeah. It's the way he does it that bothers me. He goes, I think we need to smoke some pot. Oh, that sounds great. But like, it's not her party. It's mm-hmm. uh, what's his name's? Alan's. And Alan's. And he's not cool with it. So, at first. So, yeah, pretty rude. Yeah, I just, I don't know, that, that bothered me. I know, uh, but, I mean, after that, Alan thinks that uh, Tommy's a real cool dude. <laughs> he even says, <laughs> you are so cool. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know, I was there. <laughs> We've I, all been there. I know your your feelings right there. And I don't even remember how the dinner scene ends, but... He does the, like, shotgun blow oh, of smoke, yeah. and then he's like, I think you should go, because he got uncomfortable. Yeah, because of his boner. Yeah. <laughs> Notice yeah. how he didn't stand up and show him to the door. He just said, you need to leave. So to hit a plot point, Alan is writing a book that he, like, tells people is like an objective look at homosexuality throughout the, like, centuries. But I guess what it ends up being is like the book ends up being called like the straight truth and it's like hugely anti-homosexual. Right. 
So he wants the book scrapped, but his publisher already has like the full thing. And at some point it gets published right. at the publisher's behest uh, against Alan's will. And he tries to keep it a secret from Tommy, his now lover. Like they, he goes from being Republican to being hippy dippy gay. Yeah. Lover we have boy. a nice little archival footage montage that spans that little time period there. Yeah, it's like four years goes by and they make some reference. It's like, oh, he's a lot more relaxed now that Carter's in the White House. Right. But and then it, that's supposed to take place before uh, Anita Bryant gets the pie in the face, which happened in 1977. So I don't know. A little off on time there. Oh, uh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take uh, continuity errors any day over <laughs> what we've been wig through. sins. <laughs> <laughs> I thought at first they were going to try and set it up that Tommy was the person who threw the pie in Anita Bryant's face. Oh, really? I thought that's what we were setting up. I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Like, make him that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not, no. No, not the case. There's kind of a fun scene. It's stupid. The writing in this is really bad. Like, the, the, the attempts at humor, I just, I don't know how they look good on paper. Because they don't, like, come alive. Yeah. So there's the scene Tommy and Alan had like just hooked up for the first time, or maybe it wasn't the first time, but then his parents show up un- unexpectedly, uh-huh. and Jill St. John like walks into the bedroom, and they're both in their skivvies, and uh, Tommy tries to like, you know, uh, uh, be a little shitster, and Alan's like, uh, this, this is my friend Tommy. He, he stayed the night last night because uh, he got, got kicked out of his apartment. Your mom's not stupid. She can see what's going on here. Yeah, my roommate had out-of-town guests, and things got a little bit too crowded, so Alan let me crash here. It was one benign lie followed by, like, another benign lie, and I was like, the first lie was fine. <laughs> like, it's no different from the second lie. I was like, I, I know that you were trying to, like, build suspense, but, like, when you just, when that's the sticking point, it just seems flimsy. Like, it just seems flat. Yeah, I th- I read that as, like, he was, Tommy was trying to ingratiate himself to the mom being mm. like oh she's smarter than she looks <laughs> or whatever she i can tell your mom's a smart woman yeah and so that was sort of a way of being like look we can talk about sex in front of your mom like my roommates were having sex and so i don't know like tommy picked up that she was either a cool lady or not a cool lady <laughs> and just wanted to get on her good side i guess that's how i took it or like when they're all like having coffee and like Alan's like, oh, yeah, we met at the Young Republicans Club. And Tommy goes, me, I just love dick. Everyone would know what you mean. <laughs> it's like how in Rope where we're like, none of this is subtle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like in Rope, the parents are the audience here. Like they would catch on like, oh, this young man is staying with my perpetual bachelor son yeah. in a purely platonic sense and says things like i love dick and i'm just there's a porno magazine gay porno yeah. magazine on the d- table and yeah nothing going on here yeah uh, it's just stuff like that's infuriating <laughs> i did like the scene when uh, after they don't sleep together the first time because mm-hmm. uh, Tommy doesn't want to have his first encounter with Alan to be a, oh, so drunk, dude, kind of thing. And oh, he's sitting yeah. on the couch and Alan tosses him an apple like after he's making breakfast. <laughs> yeah. And the apple just, just like completely misses him. <laughs> well, it's like, A, he didn't even throw the apple at Tommy. Yeah. Like, it was like Tommy would have to like dive for it, like baseball catcher style. Uh, but yeah, it was just funny just like seeing Tommy's stoic face and like an apple <laughs> bounce past him. I kind of like that. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Okay. So rewind back to talking about the book again when the book comes out or it comes out that uh, Alan wrote the book. Yes. Why didn't Alan just come forward and be like, yeah, I wrote this and then I figured out I was gay and so I don't stand by this. I actually renounce all this material. Yeah. Why, Wouldn't that make a lot of sense? Yeah. If he, if he got out there and said like this book was written out of internalized homophobia and not a place of objectivity. Yeah. Is that yeah, so that hard? Yeah, that would deflate the... <laughs> I, I think that would deflate the power that the book seemed to have in this cinematic universe. Right. As And also like fix his relationship. <laughs> Like, seems like a real easy fix there, Alan. Yeah, because 
Tommy is a gay activist, mm-hmm. you know, a gay rights activist. <laughs> he's he's not just an activist; it's gay. He's doing <laughs> it for gay rights. <laughs> and so this book, the Straight Truth, is like a big setback. They don't really tell why. Like I don't know if Alan used like hard scientific data or something like that. Yeah, because if it was just like a bunch of like empty platitudes about homosexuality like would it really have that big a splash yeah and why would an anonymous book make that big of a difference anyway yeah and if it did use scientific data i'm kind of curious what was in there yeah like how how did he get that information did sodomy really bring down the roman empire i want (laughs) details yeah where's this book (laughs) yeah was it based on a real book like is this a, a real thing that happened see i don't know unanswered questions trip I mean, I know Anita Bryant did get a pie in the face, but... uh, Yeah, that part's true. And went into a place called Norfolk, Virginia, and were met with protest and uh, um, all kinds of problems. And uh, uh, every... I think more than a pie in the face, David Allen Coe wrote a song about Anita Bryant. I can't remember what it's called, but it is scathing. Uh, she sucks. Oh yeah, she super sucks. David Allen Coe is a country singer, and like you'd think there, you you know, he'd be conservative too. But, like, he was, like, raised Mormon, and the only thing that he kept was, like, polygamy. And so he had, like, a couple wives, and he thought that, like, if gay people wanted to be gay, then they should. Like, just let it happen. So he, like, when Anita Bryant was, like, out there doing her thing, he wrote a song that is just filled with expletives about her. (laughs) Hey, fuck Anita Bryant. Who the hell is she? Telling all them faggots that they can't be free. I saw somebody, I think it was in the UK, Nigel Farage. Maybe, yeah, and he got like a milkshake. Milkshakes, thrown mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Let's keep doing that. Desserts <laughs> on bigots, guys. I think it's a good way to do it. But you got to make sure that it's just like chocolate or something. Otherwise, they'll pull the Anita Bryant line and be like, well, at least it was a fruit pie. Oh, yeah. Don't give them fodder. <laughs> Is that like doing a quip and not getting angry just makes them look like a bigger person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Still, I could watch that footage <laughs> all the time. It's really, really satisfying. <laughs> yeah, because Anita Bryant's just one of those like self-satisfied, really smug pigs, religious right people. Yeah, she's awful. High on their own drama. Anyway, so we get another montage after the breakup. Yeah, of like going into the 80s. Mm-hmm. It goes to 83, 85, 84. 84, I, I believe. 87, 86, 92. This isn't The Price is Right. <laughs> uh, I don't think they say it, but Tommy has AIDS, right? Yeah, it's an undisclosed disease (laughs) well because he goes out to mexico Uh to just like live out there and i was like why would you go to mexico if you have aids like i know that america's not like super great and on top of it but i can't imagine that the mexican health care system was worlds ahead of the american health care system at the time maybe he got aids in mexico um, like he'd already moved there. Yeah, but then why does he move to Mexico at all? Because, Undetermined. Yeah, we really don't know. See, here's where another part where the movie really fails, I think, is like, I think by switching the focus at this point on to Alan, we lose so much. Like, I think this part of his story is boring, and I don't think it's a real great character turn for him because it takes so much help from everybody else. Uh, of Alan, be- like, living the comfortable, posh life of a kept boy? Yeah. Like, you can tell he hates it. Yeah, and presumably he'd been in it for, like, four years, five years. They say it's, like, an anniversary coming up or something. Right, yeah. It's, like, four or five years. So it's, like, the older gentleman from the beginning who's been sort of a... a, Potster. Well, I was going to say, like, a um, a mentor of sorts for him. Like, is also gay, as it turns out, and, you know, much older, much richer, and has Alan just as, like, a kept boy and alan's like clearly miserable for the whole thing but this older gentleman is also the person who, who like pushed to get the book published like unbeknownst to alan and also revealed alan's name to the press once the book came out yeah like he he revealed alan's name anonymously so this guy's just like grade a like piece of shit yeah 
And also, like, come on, Alan, you can do better. Like, yeah. yeah, I know he's rich, but like, he's not like super fun or charismatic or anything like that. And his parents suck. I, know. I think there was a line when like he says when he's explaining why he did it to Tommy, and he says something like, "Peter was good to me after you left. I stayed for the first year in his guest room, and then it just." happen okay but i still think like you should have been able to get on your feet like you're gettable i mean everybody loves you apparently like people are like falling over themselves for alan even though he just looks like some low rent jake gillenhall <laughs> oh he does that is who i was trying to think yeah that is pretty accurate and he sounds like him too in a weird like his voice is like almost a double for it but like he should have been fine i don't yeah i don't i i just don't buy that situation yeah because uh, the Suzanne Summers girl, like, obviously stayed friends with him, so it's not like yeah. he has trouble keeping long-term friends. Yeah, and, and it's she's like, fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if he was really having trouble, like, he could have just moved in with her, I feel. Yeah, why didn't they get a place together? Like, they are, they didn't live together, but they were, like, dating, and she has that line. It's like, I used to date Alan, but on some level, I always knew he was gay. Oh, oh, no, I loved it. Took him so long to come. And also, isn't she become, like, near the end, doesn't she become, like, some sort of lesbian? Because, like, I got the impression that when uh, Julie Uh, Brown's talking with her, she's like, oh, so you are a lesbian, because she checked her out, like, or something. Yeah, there was I I don't know if the inference (laughs) was was portrayed accurately on celluloid, but something happens, and Julie Brown's like, oh, so you are a dyke. All right, sister. Is Julie Brown supposed to be a lesbian? She says she's not. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But yeah, there, I mean, it was like, obviously there's no bad blood between the two. So I don't know. I feel like I'd much rather live with her than with him. Yeah. Just real fast. While you said that uh, that it wasn't transferred on celluloid, <laughs> I got to say, I'm really glad this movie's on film. Like, <laughs> yeah, we've been, you know, we've been watching some, uh, some digital oh. <laughs> and some video that are pretty pretty rough yeah and this just looks nice like it looks nice yes i mean some of those early digital stuff gets a little little hard in in bulk Uh, i don't know it looks profesh yeah in a made for tv way (laughs) yeah but i mean this movie must have had money behind it oh yeah because i mean the production values are fairly high and there's nothing about like the direction necessarily that i'm like oh they had to cut a corner here or there or something like that no and they got real actors in it you know alexis arquette jill st john julie brown like these are real actors there's some crane shots i think even yeah and then like i was saying big expensive musical cues and then they got to the end of their line on a budget and like well we're going to cut out these wig supervisors (laughs) (laughs) we have to save money somewhere uh why are we spending twelve thousand on wigs can we make that 12 Uh, all right my question about Tommy and having AIDS because it would make sense if he was already in Mexico when it happens. I guess the implication is that after the scandal breaks, he just leaves the U.S. entirely. Right. But the fact that they never say it, which I'm like, it's a gay movie. You can say HIV. You can say AIDS. Like, that's that's the one thing that we can claim. (laughs) And Uh, if it's 84, I think that word was definitely around by then. Yeah. Or if it wasn't, say grid, you know? Yeah. But... I was half thinking that it was tuberculosis. Maybe. I mean, you like, know. Like, it was consumption, you know, because when you get TB, you're supposed to go to, like, arid, dry, oh, yeah, yeah, clean yeah. places, and, like, that's the cure. Like, you get it from, like, living in squalor, and it gets cured by, like, you know, going to places like Arizona or New Mexico or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. like that. So, I thought that might have been what he had, like... Could be. I mean, you know, HIV is just like it makes your immune system fail. So he could have gotten some like disease that he normally wouldn't get. And it was a lung thing. So Mm. he thought like, oh, it could have been just pneumonia. And he thought like, oh, I got to go clear this up by going someplace dry and high. Okay. And so, yeah, that's possible. Okay. We're giving a lot of work here, (laughs) but uh, let's go with that. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I just I I felt like if it was AIDS, they would have said it. But they like are all mysterioso about it. Could be that it was too early. I don't. I don't know the timeline exactly of when they started calling it AIDS and like knowing what it was and exactly what year this last act takes place in either. So uh, somewhere during the Reagan era, mm-hmm. which means the eighties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a gray area. Mm. Okay, I'll give the movie the benefit of the doubt then. Mm-hmm. 
I want to say I do understand the like logically why he took the plant because he wanted to, you know, make sure oh, he had orchid. it with him. Yeah, but like, why didn't he give it to his mom and be like, "Mom, watch this. I got to go to Mexico." Why does he take it all the way to Mexico with him? Yeah, I guess just he, he wanted to be like, "Look, I kept it after all these years. Like, aren't you proud of me?" Yeah, it's so bad for the plant. <laughs> yeah, I was a little confused because he, he must have flown down there. Yeah, there's like a shot of the plant. Oh, in that's seat. right. Yeah. Did he have to pay for that? Like. Well, I think the mom paid for the plane ticket, or the mom and Suzanne Summers, because they they went to the the, right. the house. It was for the birthday, yeah. And our fucking mess, <laughs> party fouls left and right. I hope that wasn't expensive. It was. But then, did they pay for a seat for the plant too? They must. Did they know his <laughs> attachment to this plant? They're like, oh, you know, Alan. <laughs> You think he showed up and he's like, two traveling, please. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, are you plant or are you Alan? <laughs> There's probably like deleted scenes of him like buying headphones for the plant because you got to talk to it like twice a day or something. It's like, you're going to eat those peanuts? <laughs> Putting a blanket on him like a pillow behind the orchid. They're like fighting over the armrest. <laughs> Alan and plant. Where's that movie? I know. <laughs> In the greater TT universe, we'll write a little script. We'll write a little comic book about just this section of the movie. It's just going to turn into a Little Shop of Horrors ripoff. <laughs> so anyway, he goes to Mexico and meets up with Tommy and uh, decides to drive him. Or he's going to fly with him to Texas because that's where Tommy wants to die. And... Um, but the, the, the airline the, won't let him fly. Yeah, like the uh, stewardess or whatever checking them in. It's like, uh, your friend's obviously sick, yeah. and we have a policy against that. I did like the line when he's like, Can you get me your supervisor, please? Or maybe a human being, if you've got one back there. All those attempts at being like snappy or witty or, or bitchy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It felt, like, it felt like a real bitchy person didn't write this. And yeah. that's really what this movie needed. I just want some like cynical queen to have like maybe script doctored it a mm-hmm. little bit touched it a little bit here and there yeah because it's like the scenes where they're where it calls for them to like be bitchy or catty they really weren't and i'm like this is the one thing we're good at guys (laughs) yeah i mean i think our actors our main actors are poorly cast or poorly directed like i don't get the impression that they couldn't have been better but i i feel like they're just so wooden and i mean maybe it's the wigs but like there's just (laughs) not enough energy there it feels so low energy to me it yeah. feels very made for tv movie uh, yeah i get the feeling that they were almost acting as if they were in a different medium yeah like a daytime soap or something like they're like the comedic side characters in like you know uh days of our lives or something yeah. you know they're it's just they're really broad with like their delivery but the writing for it is like, I don't know, it just, it feels like it was written by like a straight person and it's stiff. And yeah, they're both sort of wooden and they just uh, don't sell this romance and this like crazy adventure that they're on. Like even when like they have guns, I felt like it's just not quite getting there. Yeah, for there's me. nothing about their performance that like ratchets up like the tension of a scene. It's just apparent because there is someone like Alexis Arquette who's just having a fucking ball. Yeah. There's multiple scenes of Alexis running. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. And yeah, it, it so it just kind of magnifies like how low energy they are when you have Alexis Arquette like literally running around wildly. Yeah. And all those scenes like got a genuine laugh out of me too, just Alexis being Alexis. Yeah, same here. And uh her delivery is just better than theirs. Like whenever Alan needs to ratchet up the tension, he just raises his voice two octaves and it turns squealy. Mm-hmm. And it's like I, it's not it's not quite right. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't think he's incapable of playing this role. I just, I almost want to blame the director for not having a good idea of who these characters should be. Yeah. It's just, it's a little, yeah. Like daytime television made for TV movie acting when other people in here are kind of like playing it up or having fun with the role or, or sinking their teeth in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, and that also seems like kind of on brand for these characters because they both have a little bit of internalized homophobia going on. They took all their acting cues from their wigs. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we have to be as convincing as this wig. <laughs> so when you put this on, you become the character. <laughs> well, I think it was uh, Jack Nicholson like on the set of Chinatown, I want to say. Like, Jack Nicholson's not, like, a method actor. Like, mm-hmm. he just shows up and reads his lines. Like, he likes to act. Like, he likes to sink his teeth in. But he's not gonna, like, you know, do a Dustin Hoffman and stay up for two days to, so that he looks disheveled or something like right, that. Right, yeah. And I think it was on the set of Chinatown, he said, uh, let the clothes tell my history. Uh. I'm just gonna read the lines or something like that. Okay. And, like, the implication is, like, makeup, clothing hair like that should tell you about the character's past more than how you emote the lines yeah and that might be a big problem (laughs) in this movie like if they looked the part more we might believe it more yeah it's like the opposite of uh willem dafoe getting those teeth in wild at heart where it's like suddenly the character comes alive when he gets those teeth. Yeah. Like this is like the the hair takes over and like (laughs) sucks all their energy out of them and like the hair becomes the character instead of them. I I mean, I I had forgotten about, yeah, Willem Dafoe and Wild at Heart because yeah, it's like that just like gave him the ability to like kind of lose himself in the role and maybe it's the opposite here where it's like bad costuming makes you unsure of what the character is. Yeah, and feels stiff. And Yeah, especially cuz you were saying like how Tommy like couldn't like brush the hair back behind yeah. his ear because like the wig wouldn't allow it. <laughs> yeah. and... Which is what it would look natural. Yeah, so it kind of hinders like just the the naturalness of what he's trying to be. Mhm. Yeah. I wonder if that is I wonder if the wigs really were like We got to talk to a wig master. <laughs> they were so bad. <laughs> And it was only on those two, really. And Alexis Arquette. And Alexis Arquette. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, nobody else was wearing wigs. <laughs> that I could tell. We're wigging out over here. <laughs> so they go down. Alan gets Tommy. And by this time, they're wig free. <laughs> like, they, they're, Thank God. They're wigless. <laughs> and I think that this is the strongest act, too, now that I think about it. Because it turns into like Thelma and Louise, kind of. It does and it doesn't. Like, this is definitely the least fun act. But I do feel like if we were going to be a drama, which I I feel like, I don't know, the movie kind of, like, tries to, like, have it all and, like, be a comedy and be a drama. It's all of it. And this is, like, the one thing that actually feels solidly, like, what it's trying to be. Mm Kind of. It feels (laughs) like the most movie movie in in this moment. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, there's nothing outright necessarily, like, goofy, except when Alan, like, gets on the hood of the car and starts, like, stripping and dancing. Uh-huh. Uh, which, pretty good looking. You know what? I'm gonna... Yeah, he gets some points for that. <laughs> like, I, I was kind of into it. I love, like, we get, like, a, a wiggle butt yeah. at the camera. We get, like, a gyrated... I mean, it was like, he's he's danced before, even though he's a terrible dancer. Like, I, I liked the scene. I thought it was fun. It was also odd because, like, I we see him almost naked earlier in the movie. Right, well, yeah, we see his butt for a split second. Yeah, and maybe this is just personal taste, but, like, earlier in the movie, I was like, oh, he's kind of cute, you know, whatever. But when he's dancing, like, there at the end with no wig, <laughs> I was yeah. like, he's very attractive. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I get it now. Like, he's built, and he's got a good face, and... He's got a proper haircut. And I kind of wish he was wearing different underwear, though. I was almost those hoping silk boxers. Yeah, green silk Turtle boxers. Turtle green boxers. Mm, not working. You, I, your I uh, 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 hearts across the boxers <laughs> are you like smiley faces, right? I just a silk boxers are awful, and B, I think he's more of a tidy whities man. Mm. Personally, he just seems more that style to me. But whatever. I wasn't in charge of costumes or wigs, so. <laughs> I mean, that scene is kind of stupid, but we'll forgive it because, you know, we get some nice scenery. Yeah. So there's this problem while they're on their trip where, like, I guess in Mexico they haven't heard of credit cards. Yeah. Because uh, no place accepts credit cards. And they didn't bring cash because they thought they were just going to get on a flight and they didn't need cash. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So they end up robbing some gas station where the dude was trying to rob them first. Mm-hmm. But Tommy's got a gun. And then they 
get the gun from the guy that was trying to steal from them. Right. And Tommy forces Alan to like go rob the register out of this gas station. Right. So they drive away, the stripping, the bus full of churchgoers. <laughs> and then this cop comes up and it turns out the cop is the brother of the guy they just robbed. Right. And he like shoots their engine and like their tires. But then Alan gets the gun. You picked the wrong day to mess with me. And they take the cop car back to the States. The status and of then, the cop they stole it from undetermined. Yeah. Uh, BT dubs, Tommy dies. <laughs> and uh, While driving. I, the cop kind of roughed him up a little bit, like kicked him yeah, in the stomach, knocked yeah, yeah. him around. He's been looking bad all third act. So Yeah, he, he, he was looking a little rough. And then we just get this really fast falling action. Like, that's the climax of the movie, basically, is Tommy dying and Alan saying, I never even got a chance to tell you how much I love you. And then it's him at the bookstore signing books. And some little gay kid comes up and is like, You really made my coming out so much easier. And then credits. <laughs> that's, it's that, such a weak ending. I hate it so much. That gay kid at the bookstore? Uh-huh. Uh, Was you? <laughs> <laughs> This isn't funny. He played Matthew Shepard in the MTV movie, The Matthew Shepard Story. Oh, okay, okay. Like a year earlier. They make him look kind of dorky. I wish they would have pushed it a little more, like put some tape on his glasses, gave him braces. <laughs> Wait, Alan or the kid? The kid. Oh. Pretty... I was going to say, because they gave Alan glasses because now he's an author. Yeah, and he has a black turtleneck and he's wearing the TA necklace that they uh, that um, Tommy gave him. Which kind of looked with, looked a little like the Twisted Sister logo. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Was that bit. just me? Okay. It was the 80s. <laughs> but yeah. So oh, I'm... the ending. I hated it, though. It's like he dies. We get like Alan staring off into the canyon. Next shot, bookstore. Uh, next line, you made my coming out easy. He's like, great. I'm glad to hear that. Roll credits. And it takes like two minutes. And it's like, where's the gravity here? Like, yeah. can, we ha- can we have a moment to sit with this death? <laughs> what the fuck like what did he do with the body yeah like did he drive the rest of the way home was there a proper funeral did he leave the body in the desert like did he find a good spot for it in texas like was it a three barrels of melchiata's estrada right thing? i know that could have been a whole movie <laughs> i will just have to fill in those gaps in the tt uh universe that we're that we're creating here with the comic book series well i'll tell you what when we write our book on gay movies from this era, uh-huh. we'll have a long chapter to our theories okay. of, of of tying up loose ends in great. the TT universe. Yeah, wouldn't it have been great when he's staring off at the canyon? He like pulls off his hair and just tosses it into the air. Maybe Tommy was going through a graft versus host <gasps> withdrawal. Oh yeah, Mr. Gay, he's Mr. Gay. It was all just plugs. That his body was rejecting. Yeah. And like he shaved it off, but the plugs were still there. It's too late. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to think happened. Yeah. They didn't have a cure for GVH back then. <laughs> no, I don't think they do now. Yeah. You just have to get rid of the plugs. Yeah. But mm. I mean, he couldn't do that. He'd be bald. Oh. Fate worse than death. He'd have to wear wigs. Yeah. Anyway, not bad. One of the one no. of the better movies we've watched this <laughs> season. Definitely. Like it's like pornography, a thriller, and then the trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, like honestly, like I think this season has started warping my <laughs> views of how bad it's like remember I, I think I told you this <coughs> off pod when Devin Sheridan, friend of the pod. Uh, well, he was watching really long movies in February mm. one year. It was like longest movie, shortest month sort of thing. It was like Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, you know, Mysteries of Lisbon, which is like a five-hour Portuguese movie, Dr. Zhivago. And it's like w- when we're watching all these movies, I would go home and be like, oh, Goodfellas is only two hours and 45 minutes. It's a breeze. <laughs> like it, Like that was nothing. 
uh, you know, after a while. I feel like that's kind of what's happened with all these bad game movies because we've both been watching bad game movies that have not been covered on the podcast. Yeah. And now it's like one that is a bad movie. We're just sitting back like, oh, this isn't so bad. (laughs) This is great. Yeah. Actually. What what was Matt's problem with this? (laughs) Matt, not to bring it full, full circle, but you did tell that story on last week's episode. Oh, did <laughs> just, a, wow. just a heads up. <laughs> wow. Apologies for last week's episode. Well, looking forward to the future, mm-hmm. would, you, would you like to know what's going to be coming up? I would, yeah. I'm going to roll some dice this week. Okay. Um, I'm going to pick a movie that I have not seen in probably 20 years. I remember it as being terrible, but who knows? Maybe this will be a trip situation where it's actually quite <laughs> fine. It's a little movie called The Velocity of Gary. Mm. And it stars uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Salma Hayek, and um, who's the homeless guy in Arrested Development who just wants his kids back? Tom Jane. Tom Jane. And... Uh, I remember it being three hours long. Oh, and I, God. I checked the runtime, hour 40 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> it was always showing up on the VHS LGBTQ uh, movies that I was renting. It would always show up as a like, preview. And I was, I was like, mm. this movie looks stupid. And I just kept avoiding it. And then finally one day I was like, you know, today's the day I'm watching this. And uh, I do regret that decision. <laughs> oh, okay. So we'll see. Maybe it holds up. Maybe it's better and I just had bad taste 20 years ago, or maybe it'll just be another insufferable squirm fest. We'll find out. Okay. I have never even heard of this movie, despite it having pretty high name actors. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. All right. All right. Plug our junk. And get the fuck out of here. Follow us on Twitter at X-Rated Movies. And give us a follow on that old Facebook group, Rated X Movies. Leave us love on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast, Podcoin, just leave us love there. Yeah, and uh, that's the best way to get word out about the podcast. So if you're enjoying listening to it, just go over there. All you have to do is type Jimmy Stewart Blumpkin and give us five stars. It'll literally take you, I'd say, mm, less than 10 seconds. Uh, Fan on your type, your, your yeah. uh, WPMs. I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're hunting and pecking, it might be a little longer. That's okay. Anyway, we'd really appreciate it. That gets the word out and gets us uh, further bumped up in uh, search results. And uh, if you just want to send us a little uh, note on the emails, that's x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Uh, and go to our website, xratedmovies.com. It's got everything that you can't even find on Spotify and Stitcher and things like that. Because we have over 100 episodes and they only keep 100 episodes on those podcast platforms. So if you want to go back and listen to some of our early goodness, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Until next week when we cover The Velocity of Gary. Keep reaching for that rainbow. Bye-bye. <laughs>